get busy living or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. And in studio with me today, many of you would know who she is. If you're very familiar with our ministry, have ever been on the road with us or have ever been in our office, Sharonda Donnell, long-term, I mean, I don't want to say that she's just a team member because honestly, she's family. She and I have been together for, I always get the wrong number, Sharonda. What is it, 13, 15, 20? Working on 15. Seems like 100. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Sharonda and I have been together. She's been a a long-term team member of Harvest. And those of you, again, that know our ministry know that She's not just a team member. She pretty much runs the show. So a huge benefit. And matter of fact, those of you that have read my second book know that the book was actually dedicated to her. But today we are going to be talking about demons. And matter of fact, right before we got on, we were talking about when you discuss subjects like this, oftentimes it can even lead to an attack because the forces of darkness don't like being exposed. And there's a lot of misconceptions, but we want to talk about that today. And really, it's a good time to talk about it because fall, I believe the first day of fall, I think was just a few days ago, but it's that time of year. I love this time of year, cooler weather. I'm not a big fan of the heat, which is ironic since I live in Texas, but cooler time of the year. won't be long till we'll be having fires in the fireplace, Dallas Stars hockey, football's going, it's hunting season. And not only that, but it's holiday season. And an upcoming, I guess our next upcoming holiday is Halloween. And I know there's different people that have different perspectives on this. I know, and I don't want to say just some of my friends overseas, but I know some of my friends overseas, I mean, it's a very taboo thing. They would not celebrate Halloween for anything. But then I know people also in the lower 48 that are also that way. Some folks have a problem with it. Some folks don't. I know some people that love Jesus that decorate their house and take their kids trick-or-treating, and I know others that don't. Sharonda, what's your thought on on Halloween? Well, as a kid, we celebrated Halloween when I was a child, but as I, I guess when I was probably 17 years old, my parents started to learn more about demons and started teaching us that Halloween was something from the devil and that we should abstain from it. And so I didn't raise my kids going out trick-or-treating I don't have a problem with other people trick-or-treating. I just didn't do it because I was on the fence of, okay, my, you know, my parents, my, that were pastors are telling me that this is evil. So maybe I shouldn't teach it to my kids. I do like the season. It's one of my favorite times of year as it is yours, you know, and it's fun to dress up. I get that. And, um, but I do see evil aspects of Halloween and but also see good aspects too. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I grew up, we always carved a pumpkin. We always dressed up. Mom had this rule though. You could dress up for Halloween, but you couldn't be the devil or you couldn't be something evil. And so we've always done Halloween. My kids always trick-or-treated. Again, carving a pumpkin has always kind of been a staple that we do every year. And now that the kids are older, probably this year, I'll be carving one on my own. But again, I, I know some folks that I mean, and your parents are very godly people, and they have a perspective that they're against it. And my parents are also very godly people, and it was never an issue. And, you know, again, I know it, and and that's not really what we're talking about today, but I thought it was a little bit appropriate just to kind of dive into it. I was just in Maryland, and I know a lot of folks there love to celebrate Halloween. But in talking about it, 
again, I, I think we have to be careful when we're imposing our convictions on other people when it's not a hard line or a black and white issue in the Bible. To me, this would kind of go along with maybe when I grew up, you didn't dance. Gambling was a huge sin. Playing cards was a, a huge sin. And, and I don't see any of that. Uh, I know people that love Jesus that would not drink a drop of alcohol to save their life. And I know other people who casually drink. And so same thing with gambling. I know people that uh, love the Lord that wouldn't gamble for anything and some that don't have a problem with it. Again, as long as it's done in discretion. What, what's your thought on that, Sharonda? I think that everything done in moderation and has balance, you know, that's not a black and white issue in the Bible is okay unless it causes somebody else to stumble. Yeah, I think that's a good point. When it crosses the line and causes somebody else to stumble, that that is a huge deal. And you mentioned earlier about there being an evil side of Halloween. And I, I do agree that there can be that. But I also think that rather I've seen some good aspects of it. My home church I won't say the name of it, but my home church, they have a, I think they call it trunk or treat or something like that. And kids come to the church and they get candy. And so everybody gets a gospel track. So again, I I think that there are ways that it's done that can be very beneficial. I know of a lot of churches that that do that. And I I think this is more of a, a personal issue thing, don't you? I do. But then I have heard, you know, people quote the scripture, First Thessalonians 5.22, where it says to abstain from all appearances of evil. And so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, is this, you know, participating in evil? And a side of me says yes. And then another side of me says, well, no, because they're, you know, I'm not participating in the evil part of it. The, you know, fun, wholesome family type stuff is what, you know, I enjoy or participate in. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I know that we've had some really fun times with the kids trick-or-treating, and again, never been an issue with us. It's not really the topic of today's podcast, but since it is fall and since we are talking about forces of darkness and since some people do believe that, but again, my conviction on it is unless it's a black and white issue, that it's not fair for any of us to impose our convictions on someone else. I have some family members that they are hardline against seeing any movie that's beyond a PG, no PG 13s. And that could even be a movie that maybe does. I mean, we're not talking about movies that have graphic nudity or language, but there are some movies that, that I love that are beyond PG that not, they don't have nudity. There's not foul language, but it's very bloody. So again, I, I think it's a, I think a lot of that is a, an issue. I'm sure I'm going to get some emails on that, but I'm sure the passion of Christ is more than a PG 13. Don't you? Yes, it is. I've seen it numerous times and, and I love that movie. And I think that's a, yeah. that's a good example. Well, anyway, moving forward, today we're really talking about, not Halloween, but it did seem kind of appropriate in lieu of the discussion, but today we're talking about demons. And kind of a starting point, I think, on this is years ago, I was involved, we we did a, a tour where we were exposing the forces of darkness. And I've always believed in demons. You, you can't believe in demons or, or not believe in de- demons and believe the Bible. And so we traveled for a, a, about two years, and we were doing an expose. And we even had some people, for those of you that are not familiar with Anton LaVey, he's wrote the Satanic Bible, and some of you old school folks may have seen him in some MTV music videos. Uh, he's a guy that at one time worked as a paramedic, and after seeing the darker and grisly side of humanity, turned over to the forces of darkness, became a high priest in the Church of Satan, again, wrote the Satanic Bible, 
which at one time, statistics were outsold the Holy Bible 10 to 1 on college campuses. But even his family members would came to some of our events and tried to disrupt those events. And we saw some really unique things. I'd heard of demon possession. I'd never seen it personally. I saw it firsthand on numerous occasions. I think about one trip in particular. For brevity's sake, I won't go into too much detail, but we were in Des Moines, Iowa. And it was part of this Edge of Evil expose that we were doing. And I remember seeing a young girl, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years of age, and was definitely demon-possessed and had a supernatural strength that I've never seen in even the strongest of men. And um, watching that unfold was unbelievable. There was a lot of strange things. There were chandeliers that fell from ceilings, a lot of just crazy stuff where I was able to see a side of evil that uh, I'd never seen before. I try to be curious, you know, your father being a pastor, I mean, I'm assuming that your folks would obviously be huge believers in the forces of darkness and demon possession and things like this as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was raised probably from my teens on knowing about demons and demon possession and oppression. But for those listeners who may just be coming to know Christ and really weren't raised in the church, what exactly is a demon? Well, we have to go back. The scripture tells us that in the early days that there was a rebellion and Satan rebelled against Christ. And in doing so, he wasn't asked to leave. He was kicked out of heaven. And not only was he kicked out of heaven, but a third of the angels also rebelled. And so he was kicked out along with a third of the angels. And basically, those demons are there here on this earth. Their purpose is to torture, afflict, deceive people, tempt people, possess people. Matter of fact, uh, my conviction is, is that one of their chief tactics, maybe above anything, and they certainly do a lot of evil things, but one of their chief tactics is to keep people from faith in Christ. And even though I can't visibly see this when we travel across the country preaching the gospel, I always believe that there is a war going on during the message. I think there's a war that goes on before the message even starts where that maybe it's an argument between a husband and wife. Maybe alarm clock doesn't go off, but the forces of darkness are doing everything they can to keep people from faith in Christ. Yeah, a lot of times, well, I've seen it at our different events that, you know, you even see it in the service where there's a distraction or the sound. We have this happen a lot. The sound will not work so that the gospel can't be shared. I believe that that's, you know, demons at work trying to prevent the gospel from coming forth. Yeah, I do too. And and I know it's kind of ironic because I think we have to be careful where you heard, you've heard people say, the devil made me do it. And a lot of things that we blame on the devil are really our own fault. And I'm not one of those people that say, that every bad thing that happens is because of the devil or the forces of darkness. Right. And I think you can overestimate the forces of darkness, but at the same time, I know a lot of people that underestimate the forces of darkness. And so I don't believe every time that I stub my toe that it's because of a demon. And I'm sure every time that the sound system doesn't work right, it's probably not because of a demon. But I also believe that many times it is. We just came back from an event in Maryland where literally we had multiple issues going on every night. It didn't happen during the worship, but as soon as the preaching started, yeah. the sound went out, the the the, the microphone went out. It's it just something all the time. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. And really, again, I stated earlier that you can't not believe in demons and believe in the scripture. 
a sermon that maybe some of you have heard me preach is on the Gadarian demoniac. And this is a man, if you've not read the story, it's an incredible story. It's about a guy who lived in a cemetery, which in and of itself to me is pretty creepy to start with. And not only did he live in the cemetery, but he had no clothes on. He was a guy who was a cutter. He was constantly cutting his flesh with stones. And, and they said, the scripture says that they had tried to bind him and they literally would put shackles on him and couldn't even hold him. But I think that even when you look at that story, that you see some of what the forces of darkness are, are wanting to do in that story. Number one, he was suicidal. He was cutting himself. The other thing you see, the fact that he was living in a cemetery tells me that there was an obsession with evil, with darkness, with death, which again, I think a, a lot of suicidal tendencies stem from that. And so I, I think, again, and of course the story goes, he was possessed. The Lord cast demons out of him, but you've got to believe the scripture. You've got to believe in demons if you believe in scripture. And there's another case of, it's in Acts 16. And if you read it in the Greek, it says that the spirit of Python came upon this individual. And I, I think that also is a great illustration of really what the forces of darkness are. We at one time actually had a python snake named Jezebel, ironically enough. But I'm no snake expert, but I do know what pythons do. And it's a slow, gradual process of constricting, of trying to squeeze and suffocate the life out of someone. And I think that's what, what, what one of the things that demons do. Jay, I want to ask you, can a believer be demon-possessed? Well, I would say unequivocally the answer to this is absolutely not. I, I think most people would agree with that. I think if you look at most theologians, they would agree with that. But there's several reasons why I believe that. First of all, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that when we come to know Christ, that we are bought with a price. Actually, we no longer even own our own body, but that God owns our body. And then there's another scripture that I love in Colossians chapter 1. It's found in verse 13. And it says that God has delivered us from the forces of darkness. So, no, I don't believe in any way. And I bet this would be probably concurrent with what your father teaches as a pastor as well, would it not? That's true, yeah. He doesn't believe that a believer can be demon-possessed, but instead oppressed. Right. Can you tell us what Means. Yeah, yeah. And before we get into that, I, I want to reference, there's a, a passage of Scripture I memorized years ago. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and it starts out talking about false prophets, false teachers, but there's a verse found in verse 14 that says that Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. And I think it's important to remember, a lot of people have this concept of even the devil. They've seen these caricatures of this uh, red-colored man with a pitchfork and horns on his head. But it's very inaccurate because we know that if you study who Satan was, again, not only was he was an angel, he was extremely beautiful. He had music that emanated from his body. So this idea that we have of this mythical, scary-looking creature who comes around and you would recognize him from 10 miles away is, is not correct. He, he was an angel of light before he was cast out of heaven. And so I, I think that's important for us to recognize. And then what was the question you had? What does oppression mean? Well, and that's the thing, you know, you asked earlier if a believer could be possessed and the answer to that unequivocally is no, absolutely not. When you come to Christ, the spirit of God comes inside of you 
And the Bible says that you've been adopted as a son or a daughter of the kingdom. The Bible tells us that when you come to know Christ, when your faith is legitimate, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus says over and over that light and darkness cannot coexist. And the scripture says that every single one of us, regardless of who we are, either we belong to the kingdom of light, representing Christ, or we belong to the kingdom of darkness. And so it's impossible for those two to coexist. But while Satan and the forces of darkness, demons cannot possess us, there's no doubt about it that they can oppress us. Now, some people would say, well, wh- let's just start at the, at, at the foundation here. What does oppressed mean? Well, oppressed means exploited. It could mean burdened. It could mean afflicted. And one of my favorite uh, books in the entire Bible is First and Second Samuel. And I think about Saul. You may remember the Sharonda, but he was tormented by an evil spirit. You remember yes. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And matter of fact, if you remember, the whole reason that David was brought into Saul's camp was because David was brought in to play the violin to try to get rid of the evil spirit. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the scripture doesn't tell us that the evil spirit possessed Saul, but it did oppress him. So an oppression comes in, in many different ways. I mean, it could it could be conflict. It could be sickness. It could be fear. It could be doubt. It's anything contrary to what God or his word says. There's an, another example of this in Luke chapter 13. There was a woman who had been crippled for 13 years. I think it was 13 or 18. I can't remember. But she was crippled. And the scripture tells us in regards to this, that this woman had been bound by Satan. So that her, and and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every sickness or every ailment, again, this goes back to overestimating or underestimating the forces of darkness. But this is a classic case in scripture where we find that someone was physically oppressed And again, not the only way that that can happen. And this went on for either 13 or 18 years. So yes, the the forces of darkness do oppress. And I'm sure, Sharonda, that, I mean, I would assume you've experienced this as well. Yeah, there was a time in my life where I let fear, you know, uh, where, I mean, it could be something as simple as being afraid that there's something behind the shower curtain or fear that something's going to happen or, you know, that I couldn't be in control of everything, which I can't. God's the only one that can be in control of everything. But I'll let the devil run me ragged with fear. And that's a a form of uh, oppression from the enemy. Yeah, I I definitely believe in that. And like I say, I think sometimes it could come through relationships. It could come through sickness. It could come through fear, worry, doubt. I think it could be your finances. I think it could be your career. I think there's a lot of different ways you know, I think it's important that we remember that when the scripture talks about Satan, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning. And it also says that he is a deceiver, he is a tempter, and he is a liar. And so all those forces of darkness that I guess you could say casually employed by him or work for him, they're obviously trying to accomplish the same agenda that he's trying to accomplish which goes back to first and foremost, any military leader, the first thing they would want to do is protect their own kingdom. And that's why I believe that he tries to keep people from true faith. But once you know Christ and he's already lost you to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of Christ, since he knows he can't possess you, and me personally, I know there are people that are going to hear this podcast that don't agree, and I respect that. But my personal conviction is that once you're saved, you're always saved. And so he can't take your salvation away from you. Neither can demons. So they're going to do everything you can 
in order, since they can't steal your salvation, to steal your joy. To keep you from your calling Absolutely. and reaching others for yeah. Christ. Yeah, and that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I didn't even think about that, but I think that's something valid to say. And I think that now that you say that, Sharonda, not only, I think one of the reasons that many people don't share their faith in Christ is because of some of that. It, it's and I, I, not in every case, because there are some people that are new believers, or maybe they feel as though they're not qualified, even though if you have a testimony, you are qualified. But these these doubts and fears and insecurities that the forces of darkness bring on them, and obviously, if he can't keep you from faith, maybe he can keep you from sharing the faith with other people. Absolutely. So do we have authority over the powers of darkness? Well, there's a verse I love in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And it says, I give you power over all of the enemy. And I absolutely love that verse. Now, again, there's a battle going on. And those of you that have heard me preach on occasion, I talk about this, that that because we don't see it, we can't visibly see it, that oftentimes we neglect recognizing it. But there is a battle going on. There's a battle going on for your marriage. There's a battle going on for your family. There's a battle going on for your finances. There's a battle in many different ways. And again, just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. But the scripture says that we have power over all the enemy. Another verse, many people would know this is 1 John 4, 4. What does it say? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'll throw another verse out there. I memorized this verse probably 20 some odd years ago. And it's one of my all-time favorites. It's found in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And it said, listen to this. I'm going to quote it direct. Now, this is King James Version, but it says this. Oh, gosh, now it's about to escape me. Revelation 12, 11. Oh, here it is. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even to the death. In other words, Revelation tells us that, first of all, we overcame the forces of darkness. First and foremost, number one, foundational belief by the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning that at the moment that we recognize that Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the grave on the third day, that by his blood that we were healed, by his stripes that we were healed, that the first and foremost primary way that we overcome the forces of darkness is by the blood of Christ. It's not by who we are. It's not by what we know. It's not by how often we go to church, but it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. Even reminds me of a verse, I think it's Hebrews 9.22, memory, maybe 23, that I memorized years ago that says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we overcome him, the scripture says in Revelation 12, by the blood of the Lamb. The second thing, if you didn't catch it, when I quoted that verse, is by the word of our testimony. Yeah. I mean, that's super powerful. You know, I mentioned earlier in talking about sharing Christ, that if you know Jesus, you have a testimony. And so the word of our testimony, meaning this, that because I know Christ, And because of the testimony that I have, that I've been washed in the blood of Jesus, that I have been forgiven of all my sins, that I have the ability to take authority over the forces of darkness. And Sharonda, you probably have some great insight on this as well, especially with your upbringing and having grown up in a home with a father who's a pastor. Yeah, absolutely. I think not only knowing who we are in Christ and and taking that authority over the enemy, is important, but also, you know, in telling our testimony to others, but also when we've sinned or it's important to speak that out to somebody else to confess it because it breaks the power that the enemy has over you. And another good thing to do, talking about fear earlier, 
was one thing I did to break that off of my life and to get rid of the oppression that the enemy was using against me was to quote scripture. I quoted, I think it's First Timothy 1, 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. I used to quote that over myself every single day, trying to get rid of the fear that was in my life or that the enemy would bring to mind. I'm so glad you mentioned this. And, and by the way, folks, a lot of what we do, it's impromptu. I mean, certainly we kind of have a general idea what we're going to talk about. And sometimes I even write down verses that I've memorized in the past, but that's so impromptu. And I love what you said, Sharonda, and I didn't even think of that, but it, that is so powerful. When we talk about what can we do, I love what you said, and it is so powerful. And those of you that know me, you've heard me. I quote a lot of verses. And why do I quote verses? I, I don't do that to impress people. I made a commitment when I met Jesus that I'm going to memorize verses because there's power in God's Word. And I know that when people hear God's Word, it's power in their lives. But I also know it keeps me from sin. And I love what you said about one of the best ways to combat the forces of darkness. The enemy hates God's Word, and he he can't stand to hear God's Word. If you remember, even when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, you remember what Satan did? He quoted half-truths. He quoted part of the Scripture, and then he changed it. And Sharonda unlocks a huge key. Maybe right now in your own life, you, you're listening to this podcast and you're going, man, I'm in the, in the depths of oppression right now, and I don't know how to overcome it. Well, what Sharonda just said is so huge. You might say, well, I, I haven't memorized verses or I'm not good at memorizing verses. I think doing what Sharonda mentioned, find some key verses that relate to or deal with maybe the issue you're going on, or maybe just taking authority, or maybe it's about the power of God's spirit, or maybe it's the power of the resurrection, whatever those are. And I truly believe what Sharonda said. You go to quoting those verses and the enemy flees because he doesn't want to hear it. I mean, this the 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 forces of darkness hate scripture. And so I think, honestly, Sharona, that's a great, great point to help unlock what can we do to battle these forces that seek to destroy us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're definitely at war and the power of darkness is waging war against us because the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission. And so he's always going to do that. He's always going to try to destroy us. And so any way that we can combat against that, especially with the word, is always going to be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And again, I think it's so important for our listeners today to not discount, but to really recognize that there is a war going on. And some of the things that you think are a person's fault. I told somebody on the phone in the last week, I said, and I won't say obviously who, well, I won't even say what relation they had, but I told this individual, a good friend of mine, I said, your battle is not with so-and-so. Now, it seems as though, and that doesn't mean there's not conflict with so-and-so, and that doesn't mean that there are not things that need to work be worked out between you and so, but you need to recognize that your battle is not with flesh and blood. And the scripture tells us this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's found right there in Ephesians chapter 6. And so oftentimes we think our battle is with our spouse or our kids or our coworkers or our friends or our neighbors, and our true battle is with the forces of darkness. Many of you have heard 1 Peter 5, 8, which is a warning. It says, be sober, be vigilant, 
because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may desire. You might you do yourself a favor in actually reading that verse slowly in 1 Peter 5, 8 and, and breaking it down. Because number one, it says, be sober. Obviously, it goes beyond not being under the influence of alcohol. What it's saying is, is be on guard, be aware. And then it says, be vigilant. It's not just being aware, but it's being dedicated. It's, it's being proactive. Be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary, that means the devil is our enemy, your adversary, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may de- devour. And I'm a big National Geographic. Matter of fact, Missy and I just the other night were watching some nature shows, and I, we were watching one that had on Netflix it had lions in it. And I, I think about how sleek and and how conniving and how subtly that they creep through the bushes and they wait till they get close enough when whatever it is they're seeking to attack is not looking or is not on guard and then they pounce and then it's too late. And so the scripture tells us that yes, we are in a war and we've got to be on guard. We've got to be proactive. We've got to recognize who our enemy is. But one thing I love about it it doesn't say that that the enemy is a roaring lion. He says he walks about like a roaring lion. That's right. And sometimes we give him more credit. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And we have to realize that sometimes when we really walk in the authority that we have in the Lord, he's a paper lion. Yeah. He may roar, but he but and this uh, this thought just came to my mind and I believe this. When Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, what he did is is he removed the teeth of the lion. I really believe that. Yeah, that's a good one. So let's circle back to the whole, you know, Halloween thing. And because this is, tends to seem like it's the time of year where evil is more prevalent. And I think maybe it's because of the occult, you know, all the movies that come out, all the scary stuff and witchcraft and that sort of thing um, seems to be. I don't know if it's more prevalent or just it seems to be more in the media, the focus this time of year than you see any other time of year. So tell me your thoughts on that type of stuff. Well, I got to ask you first, have you seen, and most everybody, matter of fact, let me, let me back up. I was a junior in high school and I was staying the night at a friend of mine's house and we got in about one o'clock in the morning. Again, I was a non-believer and they had HBO and Cinemax and whatever. And we turned on a movie I had never seen, I'd never heard of it, called The Exorcist. And I watched about 30 minutes of that show, and it literally terrified me. I mean, I had nightmares about that. And I've never seen it in its entirety, but I saw enough of it to know, and I wasn't even a believer, that I don't want anything to do with this whatsoever. But I'd be curious, have you seen the recent commercials for the newest Exorcist that's coming out in the month of October? No, I have not. Okay. Just last night, we were watching television, and I'd already seen the commercial. We actually went to a movie recently, me and my two boys, and they ran the trailer for this. But you would not believe. It literally shows. Well, did you see the first Exorcist or any of it? I was too afraid. I didn't ever watch any of that. (laughs) Well, good for you. You didn't miss out on anything. Well, the trailer for this movie shows two girls and they have upside down crosses on their head. And of course, they're talking in a really strange language. They have supernatural physical ability. 
And in the trailer, one of them's walking down a church aisle in a voice that I couldn't replicate, but saying this, the body and the blood, the body and the blood. It is so eerie. And last night, Missy had not seen the commercial. It came on while we were, I mean, we were on like channel three, NBC or CBS. I mean, it's not like we were on some crazy channel. And Missy said, change the channel. She couldn't even stand to see, but that's a new movie that's coming out. And so I do agree with you. This time of year, there's a lot of horror shows and uh, a lot of films like this that are coming out. And this is one of them. But one of the things I've always told my kids, and the truth of it is they, in their younger years, enjoyed seeing some, some of the horror shows. And I've always told them, listen, you got to be so careful that you don't give place to the devil. Meaning this, you don't want to get, all the devil needs is a crack to get in your areas of your life to bring about oppression. Or maybe if you don't know know Christ, to maybe even bring possession. And so you can't give a place uh, to the devil. That's even found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It actually says those words, don't give place to the devil. And that could be by going to something like the exorcist. It could be by dabbling in the occult. I know people that do these tarot cards. I know. Yeah, there's a place right down the street. Have you seen it? On I Scott have street? not. I yes. didn't even know that. I didn't know that. I know when I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, they had this card readers and tarot readers. And I mean, I know of people that have sit down. I've never done this and done the Ouija. Do you come? Oh yeah. Is it Ouija or, or uh, what? I think it's Ouija. I think it's Ouija, but the but Ouija. Yes. That was a big thing when my oldest was like junior high. She, I remember her coming home and asking me about it, and I was like, stay away yes. from that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I've always told my kids, I mean, even some of these horror movies that are Damien and The Omen, and it has this occult-based thing and Satan-based thing, the, the devil already works hard enough on me and my family. We don't need any additional cracked or open doors to allow him an inroad into our life. And you even find in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, this know also that in the, la- in the last days, some shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Again, that's King James Version. But the scripture tells us that the closer we get towards the end of time, that there's going to be a greater number of people that give heed to. They open up the door to forces of darkness. And so anything that, that could cultivate that is something that we want to stay away from. Again, the devil's busy enough already, and uh, so are his forces of darkness that we don't need him to have any additional ammunition. I I don't want to put any bullets in his gun, so to speak. Absolutely. And you're seeing more and more stuff trying to be slowly introduced, especially to our kids. I remember not a couple of months ago, can't be more than six months ago, where this Disney movie's coming out where somebody had a baby with the devil. I can't remember oh, what wow. it's called, but I was like, oh my word. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny. I haven't heard of that, but I'm not surprised. I mean, all the boundaries are down. So, well, we're about out of time. The important thing is, is recognizing that there is force of darkness and that although Satan's a roaring lion, that Christ has overcome the grave and that we do have authority in Jesus Christ, that we need to avoid giving place to the devil. We need to remember what Sharonda said, that it's important. One of the greatest things that we can do is quoting Scripture, memorizing Scripture, reading Scripture out loud, 
to help combat those forces of darkness because they do seek to destroy us. And last but not least, if you're listening to today's podcast and you don't know Christ, man, if there's ever a time, it's now. And if there's ever a motivation, it ought to be this. We'll see you next time. Sharana, thanks for joining us today on Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great one.